We'll check back with Mr. Creature later. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Begin investigation one. The flying car. Let's talk about that flying car. Where in fiction did we first discover it? Well, Dr. Geek, I first came across the flying car, and I think a lot of people from our generation did, uh, in the cartoon The Jetsons. You know, in the opening of that show, we see George Jetson flying his family around in a little vehicle that looks like a flying saucer. Uh, But really, for me, my love of the flying car, my first flying car crush, if you will, uh, started with the movie Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, I love that movie on so many levels. First of all, the guy's a tinkerer, an inventor, like me, uh, and what he does is is he invents a car. Uh, In the movie, anyway, I I never read the book, but in the movie, he builds a car for himself out of parts of a boat and an airplane, and then, of course, later on in the film, the car magically takes on the properties of a boat and an airplane. But really, it's a car first, and that, I think, is the key. When we talk about a flying car, we're talking about a vehicle that fills the role of a car first, and then after that, it can sprout wings and rotors and take off vertically from the ground, and it becomes a flying vehicle that can soar through the air over a castle in Bolivia, I think. But it really is a car first and a flying vehicle second, which which is interesting, I think. I think our research will show that a, a lot of people want a flying car to be completely a car while it's on the ground and then somehow transform itself into a flying vehicle. Um, so, Dr. Geek, wh- where did you first encounter the flying car? My first encounter with it was with the absent-minded professor with the flying flubber car. And again, it's exactly the same thing, right? It's a car that has the abilities of flight. I remember looking at that and thinking, wow, if all I have to do is irradiate some flubber, (laughs) that will be great. Right, because we all have flubber just sitting around in a jar on a shelf at home, of course. Right, but that's better than some other flying cars. For example, in Back to the Future with the DeLorean and its hover conversion. Thank goodness for Mr. Fusion, because we don't all have plutonium lying around. Right, right, and and that is an important point. One of the biggest problems for any flying vehicle is the power-to-weight ratio. If you expect a vehicle to lift itself off the ground and take to the skies, it's going to have to generate a tremendous amount of force. I mean, 80 to 90% of the power of that vehicle is going to be spent just getting it into the air. And after that, flying is easy. You know, So you would need something like a plutonium reactor or a Mr. Fusion if you're going to pull this off. You know, that's one of the things I found funny about how flying cars are shown on TV and movies, especially if you take into account the absent-minded professor car. It's a tiny car, a Model A or Model T, a first-generation car, and they're up at altitude at quite a height, and they don't seem to have any problem with wind or insects or any other obstacles. Oh, no, no. (laughs) Once you're flying in a flying car, it's totally smooth sailing. Getting into the air is the only real problem. Once you're up there, you soar like a bird over the clouds. Uh, Another flying car from the movies, and, and again, keeping to the principles of applied geekdom, you know, looking at science through science fiction. One of my favorite flying cars of all time is the Spinner from the movie Blade Runner, and and of course it got that nickname because it has a tendency to just spin as it ascends, you know, and I never understood exactly why it did that, but at least it's starting to address some of the problems you just mentioned. I mean, of course, at altitude, you don't have to worry about bugs or birds, but you do have to go through the birds and the bugs to get to that altitude. So, so here's a flying car where the pilot pushes a few buttons, beat 
beep, beep, and then the car just goes whoosh, and it lifts off into the sky, and then it just starts to rotate for no apparent reason. Uh, and I guess that's just so you have a better view of that gorgeous model they built of the Los Angeles skyline of 2019. Um, but in that movie, not everyone has a flying car. It's obviously a special thing that's reserved for police and emergency vehicles only, and uh, perhaps the very rich might have them. Um, in the movie, the main character, played by Harrison Ford, is getting a ride in a flying car. He doesn't even own one. He's being driven around in one. Uh, and they fly away from the dirty, crowded inner city out to the giant Luxor pyramids where the rich people live, right? <laughs> so the, the elite people who never descend to the street level. Um, so yeah, so there's another example where we've seen the flying car take off with a minimum of fuss, you know, maybe a single puff of smoke or whatever, and it gets up into the sky and it just goes swooping and soaring, and it never seems to worry about turbulence or attitude control. What I liked about Blade Runner really was what I thought was a realistic application of the flying car, more so than, let's say, with Star Wars and Coruscant. That just seemed to be craziness, because you look at that sky and wonder just what is the air traffic control like on Coruscant. But with Blade Runner, like you said, it was elegant, and of course, the musical score helps that out a lot. Oh, big time. Yeah, <laughs> big time. The music made that movie. <laughs> but I think the spinner is a great application of the flying car, and that it would be the police and other...